and welcome to The Auto Approach, a podcast created by medical students for medical students to teach you about all things ENT. I'm your host, Aileen, and today we're going to talk about an approach to otitis media. We'll discuss the ins and outs of this common ENT presentation and offer listeners some high-yield tips at the end, so be sure to listen all the way through for the details. So, otitis media can actually refer to a few different pathologies, so it's important to specify which type you're referring to. In general, there are two types that are commonly seen. These are acute otitis media and chronic otitis media with effusion. Today, we're going to focus on acute otitis media. This is commonly referred to as an ear infection and can occur unilaterally or bilaterally. This is usually seen in kids between three months and three years old, but can certainly extend beyond this age group, even into adulthood. It's commonly seen in children because the structures of the middle ear, including the eustachian tubes, aren't fully mature and are shorter and more horizontally oriented, so drainage doesn't occur as readily. In addition, children have large obstructive adenoids that contribute to their susceptibility to acute otitis media. This, of course, is confounded by the fact that children have immature immune systems and haven't been primed for the many pathogens that they will see in their lifetime and are therefore less able to fight off infections than adults. Higher-risk populations include patients with Down syndrome or cleft palate as these anatomical features are exaggerated. The infection can be either bacterial or viral. In neonates, it's often Escherichia coli and Staphylococcus aureus. When it comes to older kids, Streptococcus pneumoniae, Moraxella catarralis, and Haemophilus influenza are common. In adults, the most common bacteria involved are Strep pneumoniae, or Group A beta-hemolytic Streptococcus, and Staphylococcus aureus. Patients will present to you complaining of ear pain, also called otalgia, fever, or hearing loss. If the tympanic membrane perforates, there will also be otorrhea. If the infection is more severe, patients may also present with systemic symptoms of nausea or vomiting. On otoscopy, you will likely see a red bulging eardrum. You may see purulence behind the tympanic membrane as well. If the patient is a child, it's important to remember the kids are not good historians, so look out for other indications of an ear infection. This could include crankiness, trouble sleeping, and tugging of the ear. It is, however, important to note that tugging on the ear in isolation may not be a sign of acute otitis media. For example, children often have referred otalgia, causing them to tug their ears when they are teething. So, Let's imagine your staff has just asked you to see a patient presenting with signs and symptoms suggestive of otitis media. When you go to see the patient, first, you'll want to introduce yourself and make sure they are stable before starting to take your history. If they are vitally unstable or look toxic, call for help. In your history, you always want to start out with your history of present illness, or HPI, and find out what brought them to the hospital or clinic. Although you may already have a working differential based on the reason for referral or information your staff has given you, it's still important to enter each interaction with an open mind. Good open-ended questions include, what did you want to talk about today? Or what's been bothering you? When getting the HPI, a mnemonic you can use is chloride FPP. This mnemonic stands for character, location, onset, radiating, intensity, duration, events preceding, frequency, and palliating or precipitating. Another mnemonic you can use is O-P-Q-R-S-T-U-A-A-A. This mnemonic stands for onset, position, quality, radiation, severity, temporality, deja vu, 
alleviating factors, aggregating factors, and associated symptoms. Specific questions that you'll want to ask the patient that comes in complaining of ear discomfort includes acute onset of otalgia, ear tugging, otorrhea, and decreased hearing. You will also want to do an infectious screen looking for fever, upper respiratory tract symptoms, diarrhea, recent travel, and sick contacts. This is especially important in the COVID-19 era. Next, you'll want to dive into the patient's past medical history, family history, social history, medications, allergies, and habits. At the end, it's always a good idea to do a full review of systems to ensure you're not missing anything. Now, you'll want to move on to the physical exam. Here, we've used Bates as a supplementary resource, which you can likely find on your school's library website. So in this podcast, we're going to assume a basic knowledge of the general physical exam you would have covered in your pre-clerkship. So when it comes to otitis media, there are a few pertinent positives and negatives to keep in mind when you do your examination. First, you're going to be inspecting the ear and the areas around the ear. Note any redness, lesions, visible fluid, or foreign bodies present. When you start palpation, ask your patient if they have tenderness when you press on their mastoid. This is the bony area behind the ear. This is because a serious complication of otitis media is mastoiditis, which presents as mastoid tenderness, swelling, and erythema, along with external ear proptosis. This is very important to rule out. If there is discharge from the ear, pull back on the outer part of the ear gently. Pain may suggest otitis externa rather than otitis media. When you are ready to move on to your otoscopic exam, observe for any fluids, redness, foreign bodies, swelling, lesions, etc. Note how the tympanic membrane looks. In otitis media, it can appear red, inflamed, and bulging. If your center has a pneumatoscope available, this should also be performed. This exam will determine the mobility of the tympanic membrane in response to pressure changes. So normally, the tympanic membrane will move in response to changes in pressure, but in acute otitis media, the tympanic membrane doesn't move as well. This may be related to a middle ear effusion. Cultures are not generally done for diagnosing otitis media, with the exception of fluid obtained during mirringotomy, a procedure which will be discussed later. A differential diagnosis includes otitis media with effusion. This is when there is a collection of fluid in the middle ear, but it is not infected. Therefore, antibiotics will not be effective in treating otitis media with effusion. This type of otitis media can occur from incomplete resolution of acute otitis media or from an obstruction of the eustachian tube. Although there may be hearing loss and a sense of fullness, a differentiating factor between otitis media with effusion and acute otitis media is that otitis media with effusion rarely involves otalgia. Most cases of otitis media with effusion resolve within a few weeks on their own. However, if the condition persists for several months, a mirringotomy may be indicated, often with the insertion of a tympanostomy tube. Additionally, another differential diagnosis includes acute otitis externa, commonly known as swimmer's ear. This has a rapid onset, generally within 48 hours, and includes symptoms such as otalgia, itching, fullness, hearing loss, and or jaw pain. There will also be signs of ear canal inflammation, such as tenderness of the tragus and pinna. There will often be foul-smelling otorrhea, regional lymphadenitis, erythema of the tympanic membrane, and cellulitis of the pinna and adjacent skin. Acute otitis externa is most often caused by Pseudomonas originosa, Staphylococcus aureus, or from a polymicrobial infection. 
Now, back to acute otitis media. So the treatment for otitis media is centered on analgesics and antibiotics. All patients should be given either acetaminophen or ibuprofen for pain relief. Due to increasing antibiotic resistance, many physicians will ask the patients to monitor their symptoms for 72 hours and only prescribe antibiotics if the symptoms haven't lessened in that time. However, if a repeat visit within 72 hours is very difficult for the family, for example, in rural settings where patients need to travel extremely far, antibiotics may be given. The Choosing Wisely guidelines for antibiotics for acute otitis media includes that antibiotics should always be prescribed for acute otitis media in children less than six months. They should usually be described for children six months to two years if the diagnosis is certain and there's moderate to severe otalgia. If the patient is over two years of age, they should receive antibiotics only if they are having severe symptoms. These could include, but are not limited to, moderate or severe otalgia, otalgia for 48 hours or longer, or a temperature of 39 degrees or higher. Some special circumstances in which patients should always be prescribed antibiotics for acute otitis media include in those who have a cleft palate, those who have Down syndrome, those who have a cochlear implant, or those who have an immune disorder. For acute otitis media, the antibiotic of choice is high-dose amoxicillin. However, if the patient has either received it within 30 days, has a concurrent purulent conjunctivitis, or is allergic to penicillin, then an antibiotic with additional beta-lactamase coverage should be prescribed instead. The Spectrum app can be used to confirm local practices in your area. In addition to analgesics and antibiotics, there are a few other medications specifically for adults. A topical intranasal vasoconstrictor, or a decongestant nasal spray, containing phenylephrine may be used, although they should not be used for more than four days. Additionally, oral decongestants such as pseudoephedrine may be recommended. Finally, in the rare case of an allergic etiology, antihistamines may be used. If a patient has recurrent otitis media, which is defined as more than four episodes within six months, mirringotomy and tubes are indicated. A mirringotomy is a small incision that is made through the layers of the tympanic membrane, and this permits direct access to the middle ear space and allows the release of the middle ear fluid. Tympanostomy tubes are tubes that are inserted into the tympanic membrane and help to prevent the buildup of fluid in the middle ear. Prevention of acute otitis media can be made through ensuring patients are up to date with their routine vaccinations. In addition, tobacco smoke and secondhand smoke should be avoided. It has also been shown that attendance in daycares is a risk factor for the development of otitis media, as there tends to be increased spread of pathogens. However, this is not to say that children should not be enrolled in these programs. Some clinical pearls that are important to remember include to always examine the post-auricular area for erythema, tenderness, warmth, and fluctuance with protrusion of the auricle, the presence of which suggests mastoiditis, which is a serious complication of acute otitis media, which we touched on earlier. If the patient has signs and symptoms suggestive of acute mastoiditis, they should be sent to the emergency department and will likely be admitted for IV antibiotics and possible surgical management. Remember that Ciprodex drops are not useful unless the patient has otitis externa or if they have an acute superative otitis media, i.e. an otitis media with the tympanic membrane perforated. Drops are not useful if the tympanic membrane is intact. You will often see these drops used to treat otorrhea in patients with patent tubes in place. It is important to note that these drops should only be used for a short period of time. 
A very rare but serious complication of acute otitis media is facial nerve weakness. This can occur because the facial nerve runs right through the middle ear, and the pressure from the infection can impact the function of the nerve. This requires urgent otolaryngology consultation. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, and we hope you enjoyed, and we hope that you'll tune in to our next episode. <laughs>